1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
2: Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris. Schmidt's
0: great to have you in on a Thursday it's hail varsity radio presented by the Nebraska lottery Chris Schmidt Connor Clark is back from the Windy City man he is sitting in today loaded up ready to talk about Brian Applewhite as coach Frost rounding out his staff we'll dive into the uh, survey says question that Trev Alberts emailing out to all the uh, all of Husker Nation well not all but a number of folks get to sound off on what they want to see uh, to better their football experience. We briefly touched on it yesterday, and we'll uh, load up on uh, Nebraska, where they go to get a better and more sound running game. A lot of that has to do with the O line, but uh, some talent in the room. Can you get more? Out of that running back room talent. That is what Apple White is going to be charged to do. Numbers to get in. 466 3776 466 825 5865 Find us on Twitter. Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio. Or Connor Clark C underscore Clark underscore 27. As he grins. He made that uh, Twitter handle long enough to see if I'd screw it up, and he loses a dollar every time I get it right. Coming up, Gary Barnett in Hour 2. two, Steve Marek uh, with Hale Varsity. He'll uh, give us his thoughts. He does a good job covering Nebraska football on a day-to-day basis with Hale Varsity. So Steve will weigh in, get his take on the Husker women, as well as Indiana looms tonight. In hour two, Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity told you about Coach Barney. And then get your best bets in with Danny Burke, Vison Sports Network at 540. We're off and running. Can also email the show, chris at HaleVarsity.com. So we know some of the names out there Chicago's Petrie from the NFL, uh, Knox from Florida. Coach Ron Brown that stepped in and did a wonderful job for Nebraska, and his history speaks for itself uh, with uh, with Amir and Rex, and even before that, uh, the wideouts and tight end work that Coach Brown did. So Nebraska was not short on options. You had the coaches' convention round up and kind of finish uh, around this national championship date, right? The convention always goes on. And Nebraska is an intriguing place. You've seen additions made. Bill Bush, earlier in the week, really good sit-down interview with him on the Husker Network last night. Uh, You have uh, Whipple and his offense, and he's kind of riding high off of what he was able to develop and turn Pittsburgh's quarterback and and offense into. Nebraska able to get a a veteran to call some plays and put an offense together. Uh, You lost Coach Tuioti. Uh, And, of course, course Coach Dawson going to step forward in familiar roles with the outside backer and defensive line responsibilities. So now it was left up to what do you do, who do you get, who do you decide upon at the running back coaching spot. And uh, Nebraska able to narrow it down, and they went uh, to TCU uh, with Applewhite. He coached there two years. Uh, Coach Patterson and his staff uh, blown out after 20 years, kind of surprising. And I know they weren't killing it like they have been, but he built that up from nothing uh, specifically uh, with, uh, you think back to what he did with Lydani and Tomlinson and that ascent of the TCU program. Well, fast forward to now, and Applewhite is in for Nebraska. He won two titles as a fullback. He's paid dues. He's worked his way up the coaching ranks, and uh, – The thing that we got to ask ourselves here is what's missing from the Nebraska running back position, all right? You you moved on from four assistants, one of those being Ryan Held. Ryan Held did a marvelous job recruiting. Nebraska's had some attrition, uh, not unlike many programs in the running back room. A, A change has been made, and now Nebraska goes and gets a guy that has quite a bit of experience, at different regions, different levels of college football. And what I need in a running back coach is this. I need certainty. I need confidence. I need a guy that is going to be able Monday through Thursday to take the talent he either brings in or inherits and develop. Did you know Rex Burkhead and Roy Halou and Amir Abdullah could be good? Yeah you know Brandon Jackson was going to be pretty decent? You hope so. But I look at Nebraska's great last run of backs. And let's throw Divino Zigbo in there as well, because he's your last 1,000-yard rusher who is third on the depth chart. Someone or somebody, or maybe it was Ziggy himself, challenged himself that senior year. And after some recruiting additions were, we're given a shot, you had Ozigbo seize that role and you saw how Nebraska finished the season. You saw what Nebraska could do with a good offensive line or a better offensive line and you saw what the offense was when you, you could go ground and pound in the Big Ten. That's how you win. That's how you survive. So I look at Nebraska right now and you have talent. You have talent in that room. You have six scholarship backs. Uh, is there a... Amon Green in that room. I don't know. That's a pretty big ask. But you can get somebody that's second or third team. Maybe you hit a home run with some of the portal or recruits, and the guy develops into a first-team All-Big Ten back. Maybe you get another All-American running back. Sky's the limit. Nebraska's known for having incredible running backs. It's part of your DNA in Lincoln, and it's been missing. Applewhite could be the missing link. And to me, it comes down to development. And it's, it's a two-way street. It's a mesh point. It's a mesh point of motivation. It's a mesh point of development. And then it's also the confidence this coach comes in with, working in tandem with the OC and the offensive line, coordinating a run game, and, and picking the right guy. Nebraska post-Ziggy has picked the wrong guy too many times. Or maybe it was the right guy. But how many times did you watch Nebraska football and it was just kind of a choppy rotation? And nobody really ever got lathered up and in rhythm. And when Nebraska's had to run the football on short yardage, what's been their go-to? Well, he's down at Kansas State now, right? The faith was the guy that's going to get us the yards is the quarterback and the quarterback run game. It wasn't the run game post-Ozigbo. You did see Ramir Johnson emerge. He's a little undersized, but he's Jersey tough. And uh, and listen, he did a hell of a job running the ball last year. But you have guys in that running back room that I think can get challenged, and you need a guy that knows how they tick, can push buttons. And you got to go to the doghouse. you got to motivate him, whether it's weight or conditioning or knowing the plays, that's what, what Applewhite needs to do. Applewhite's got a little bit of a history of bringing in a five-star that ran for a G at TCU a couple of years ago. And TCU's been a good rushing football team, you know, in that top three realm in the Big 12. Uh, you can get back into Texas recruiting, presumably, with uh, Applewhite. He worked for Joe Glenn. Joe Glenn's uh, a legend in in Nebraska and was – uh, a lot of fun to to see him get, get things going at Wyoming. So, listen, this is, this is a smart, not safe. I think it'll turn out to be a safe hire. It's not a risk, but I think it's a smart hire because you've got a guy like Mickey Joseph that's climbed the ladder for two decades and isn't always wondering, isn't always trying to w- jump to the next big thing. I look at a guy like Applewhite when I see his rise, we we make a stop at, at Colorado State. You, have, you stop down at Louisiana, and then TCU hires you. Listen, uh, your name, if you do a good job of developing and recruiting, gets out and you are sought after. That's what this position and this hire, this, this choice seems to be like to me. I think Scott Frost looked at a lot of things. I think Scott probably listened to some people. Who's out there looking at our situation? Who can we get? Who's willing to kind of bet on us? with this one year, let's prove it and let's all get extended, right? Let's get to a bowl game if you're a Nebraska fan. But uh, it's a good, it's a good story by Sam McEwen in the World Herald. Uh, and we're working on getting Joe Glenn tomorrow. But uh, Joe uh, had some some glowing things to say about Applewhite. And, and he's just, it sounds like he's a positive energy guy. Okay. Uh, and he'll be able to motivate. He'll be able to button push. He'll be able to get, a lot out of the running backs. I sensed frustration with some of Nebraska's running backs because Ramir was a, a pretty high-profile recruit, was on a milk carton, uh, got challenged by Ryan Held, and, and you saw Ramir emerge, okay? Uh, you got Marquis Stepp. Uh, you haven't seen much of him. You still have him around. And can he can he unlock what made him a Notre Dame and USC recruit? Uh, Those are all fair questions. I'm interested here to see where Nebraska goes, and it's going to hinge on the offensive line being good to run the football, but it's also going to hinge on finding uh, some backs that stick around. Ronald Tompkins, high-profile guy gone. Savion Morrison playing for Coach Leopold down at Kansas. Marvin Scott, you saw Marvin do some nice things, but she just didn't see enough of them. In my humble opinion, I think you're upgrading with Applewhite because he'll be able to, to set on a rotation and find a back that can do work for Nebraska. It's not going to be musical chairs. And maybe he gets uh, Yant and turns Yant into uh, an all Big Ten caliber back. You have Gabe Urban coming off injury. Uh, sky's the limit for that kid. This is a change that was made. And uh, you also don't forget have Jackson coming in from A and M, uh, and of course uh, Minnesota's pride and joy, the reigning football player of the year, uh, with Minnesota. So it's uh, it's a nice get for Nebraska. It's got to work, and uh, let's uh, let's everybody get on the same page and make running the football a priority. That's not a a question mark that's that's been it with Nebraska in their run game you can't put it all on the running backs you can't put it all on the running back coach uh offense wide it's been an issue and there's been lack of trust
3: yeah and I think uh one thing that you mentioned earlier about Ramir Johnson emerging once Ryan Held started to challenge him and push him and I think that's something that Applewhite can bring to the table here because you mentioned before He's had to work up the ranks in coaching, and he didn't start off with a high-profile job. He didn't start off with a power job. Gets hired at TCU, and now he's starting to find his way in the Power 5 business that is college football. And I think that Applewhite can use it to his advantage a little bit because he's been challenged as a coach. And that has made him rise to the occasion and get to the next job and get to where he eventually wants to be, which could be Nebraska, who knows but I think he can use that philosophy with Ramir specifically because I don't want to call Ramir the wrong guy as the running back for the Nebraska Cornhuskers, but I think Applewhite can do a good job of challenging Ramir, say, hey, this is the Big Ten Conference. Nothing will be given to you, and nothing will be given to you here. you got to earn your stuff, and I think Applewhite will do a great job with that. Well, and, and
0: he's a guy who's earned it. He's climbed the ladder. It's 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 a great example of of work ethic. It's a great example of a guy not acting or being entitled or figuring he's owed something. And Nebraska still means something to him, that Nebraska name. And, and he wants the opportunity to Lincoln. Is he looking for a gig? Yeah. But uh, there, there's a lot of coaches that be, would be squeamish, perhaps, about jumping on to this staff in this situation. With a head coach that that had his pay cut, Nebraska's not not blinked though with the hires, and you have surrounded yourself with experienced coaches and coaches that can go get recruits. So in the living room, uh, I think a guy like Applewhite will be big. Uh, the high school connections uh, will be nice with uh, with Applewhite, and really that to me is is what it's about. You got to communicate. You got to stay on kids. Yeah, absolutely. But you have a pretty serious advantage of of a staff full of recruiters in Coach Fisher that can go hammer Florida, in Coach Beckton that can make things happen in Georgia and Florida, obviously. Uh, Coach Mickey Joseph, obviously LSU. Uh, but just that Southeast region. Bill Bush been all over the world. And Coach Bush has brought in some some big big game. All right? So that that's your staff now. And you have a guy in, in Apple Y2 that with all the levels he's coached at, he's been able to evaluate a lot of talent on a lot of different levels. And he has seen and helped make talent live up to what they're supposed to be. At all levels. And I think he can do that uh, in the Big Ten. We'll take some of your calls here coming up. 466-377-6800-825-5865. We'll try and squeeze in a quick phone call here. Steve Morick on the way with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Get his take on the hire. Get his take on some uh, some stadium upgrades. And um, we'll uh, we'll go there in a moment. Gary Barnett, anxious to hear Coach Barnett's take on things. As uh, Barney just up the road from Colorado State, uh, so you give me some thumbs up and thumbs down. You're, you're screening calls like a master. What uh, what turned you off?
3: Well, the first one nobody was on the other side, and we're heading to a commercial in 30 seconds, so thought we should get a full and in-depth thought later in the show.
0: We'll do that. Connor Clark, Chris Schmidt, Hail Varsity Thursday, and uh, Nebraska rounding out their coaching staff. What? Uh, is Trev Alberts going to hear from Nebraska football fans when it comes to upgrades and the survey that is out now that email box getting flooded with uh, the to-do list Steve Marrick next, Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery
2: and we're back fellas, think we could listen to the radio on Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery
0: yes, that's awesome Back in Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Big news for Nebraska football today is the staff is finished out. You have Brian Applewhite joining the Nebraska coaching staff. Uh, the running backs coach found, and Steve uh, Marek with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine does a great job covering all things Nebraska. Steve, did you, you win the office pool Thursday, the 13th of January? Coach Frost would have his staff rounded out.
2: Oh
4: man, no! I, I thought it was going to be a lot sooner than this, but you know these these things uh, move move quickly. They're it's they're very fluid. So you know, at at the end of the day, I'm just glad that they have it, you know, secured all all ten guys secured and ready to rock. So uh, yeah, a little bit later than I would have liked myself, but you know, we're here, so let's go.
0: <laughs> let's let's go is is uh, the appropriate term? Your take, uh, Steve, on on Apple White? Are you? impressed with the hire at, at first glance or, or all right uh this is the guy that that uh is coming from tcu and we know what happened to their staff how do you gauge this i personally think it's it's a nice get just because of well the fact he's worked his way up uh, and he's been he's been at a lot of spots but he's been at a lot of spots for quite a while
4: yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I, I would definitely agree with that. Like, when I first um, heard his name kind of circulating, I did a little bit of research, and like you said, he has been around it at different places, and he's stayed there at those at those um, places, whether that was, you know, Colorado State, TCU, he, he was there um, since uh, 2020, I believe. So, um, yeah, it's. Um, I don't think it's going to really, like, you know, get people too excited. He's not a flashy name or anything, but I don't think he – this uh, job needs to have a flashy name, I guess. Um, this this, this uh, specific role, this running back coach role, I, I think you just need to have somebody in there who who can uh, work with and develop these running backs that Nebraska has. And that's, you know, the biggest and most important thing that this hire needs to do and, and Brian Applewhite needs to do. So um, I, I, think, I think the biggest thing is, you know, he needs to come in there and look at what he has. You know, I think he's got around five or six scholarship guys in that room right now and just, you know, figure out what, what he's got, what, what maybe he could, he could get, you know, um, um, moving forward. And uh, with the February signing date, maybe they're looking at even adding another guy. I know they just um, kind of maybe addition with DeAndre Jackson from Texas A&M, but um, who knows um, what this running back is running back room is going to look like um, once, once the season gets here, but yeah, it wasn't a flashy name, but I don't think it needed to be a flashy name. Just uh, get a, get a guy in here who is, developed um, throughout his career. And and I think uh, Brian Applewhite is definitely that guy.
0: To me, it looks like Applewhite's a guy somebody's come to hire away, right? He's one of those guys where he's been happy where he's been and his name has gotten out. There's word on this dude named Applewhite and, you know, Gary Patterson, I know he's no longer at TCU, but he did wonderful things down there for the Horned Frogs for, for two decades and yeah. Quite honestly, that's you know two decades of experience. Coach Frost is is getting uh, coaches with a lot of years under their belt, good years yeah. on staff, and uh, I think that's the upgrade that you have to have, don't you think, to, to be a factor in the Big Ten?
4: Yes, absolutely. That that you bring up a great point. Working under a guy like Gary Patterson, who has been there and done that for so many years, I know it it probably didn't end end at TCU like the way. Um, both parties would have wanted, but um, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, if, if, you, if you're good enough for Gary Patterson, I think you're good enough for a lot of different places. Um, and uh, yeah, it, you know, who knows what it brings with the recruiting, what, what his recruiting acumen is. Too, I know he uh, he was able to sign Zach Evans uh, a couple of years ago. He's a five-star, five-star guy that he has since transferred out of the program, but he, he Applewhite did show his ability to go get um, highly touted guys like, like Zach Evans. Um, so yeah, that, that might pay off just like Mickey Joseph. The Mickey Joseph hire is paying off with um, with recruiting. And, you know, who knows what Applewhite's going to be able to do down there in that Texas area or and uh, Louisiana maybe, maybe even too.
0: Steve Marks with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine uh, uh, covers Nebraska football, uh, reacting to the Brian Applewhite hire. What needs to happen in the running back room? Has talent been the problem or has being able to use that talent been the problem?
4: Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I think you can uh, make a make an argument for both for both um, sides there. But to me, I think you know just using using the talent that's in there, I think, has been the issue. Um, you know. There are there are about six guys in there right now. Uh, Ramir Johnson, Jackes Yant, um, Steph, Gabe Irvin, who I really like. They just grabbed Edmund Johnson from the from the 2022 class. There are there are guys that, if given the chance, um, just given a full workload, saying you are the guy, and just kind of go into a season like that. There are there are a couple of guys in this in this uh, running back room that I think could really like you know take advantage of that and run. But I just don't think that they had. Um, had the, the confidence um, and, in, you know, nothing against, you know, Ryan Held from, from last season, but um, if, if they just have some new blood in there, some, some fresh eyes on this room, I think there are guys in this running back room who could really take take off with the um, running back one role and just kind of go with it um, and not having to be like look, looking over their shoulders or anything like that or worrying about how, how good their practice performance has been. Um, I think guys like, you know, I, I wish Ramir Johnson would be a little bit bigger, but, but damn, man, he runs hard. I really like the way Ramir Johnson runs. And, you know, we've seen what Yank could do if given the opportunity, um, you know, step is kind of a, a different situation there. I'm not sure what, what was going on last season, whether he was 100% healthy or not. I know he had come in, come in with a foot injury with a USB. So, um, but yeah, I really love what Gabe Irvin showed early before his um, season ending knee injury, but, but yeah I think I like I like what they have at the running back room. Do I wish they had the guy like a guy kind of step up and take control of the room? Of course, I do, but you know maybe with the, maybe with Applewhite in the mix now, some one of these one of these guys will be able to get the opportunity to do that and not have to you know look over his shoulder the whole time.
0: You know, it's not just one thing. Steve Marrick with us from Hale Varsity uh, talking about uh, Brian Applewhite, the higher. For Nebraska at uh, running backs, coach, it, it seemed like the rotation was choppy until Ramirez yeah. took it over, right? I mean, finally yeah. Ramir was who they trusted. Maybe that goes into the practice setup, what was being done in practice. I don't know. I wasn't there. You weren't there, but they have guys. I agree with you there. Do they have an Amon Green? Don't know. But I what I what I'm confident in with Applewhite is based on his. His resume. He's a guy that can do one, you know, two things. One, he can go get a guy, and uh, and that guy can can flourish, not screw him up, or B, you can go get a guy, develop said player, and then find roles, find roles, find ways to get catches, find ways to get uh, carries, and then really um, be a, be a formidable rushing attack. They have been anyway. Uh, When you look at Nebraska running the football, that's been a priority. But uh, think about what the offense could be. You get some stability and consistency from the O-line. You get a running game with a one-two punch and maybe a third down back. And then you find a quarterback with this receiving core. Uh, The offense didn't have problems between the 20s. But, Mandy, you got to ground and pound it uh, once you're inside that red zone, don't you think?
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and I I keep going back to um, Gabe Irvin. I really think that they might have found that guy. It's just so unfortunate how his season came to an end in in the fourth game, I believe it was at, at Oklahoma, because you know I would I would go back and walk, rewatch the games, and and every time he, uh, Gabe Irvin would be out there as a three down back, and you know talking from talking to the coaches, they were so adamant about. You know, if they want to be out there, if these running backs want to be out there, they need to do it all, right? They need to pick up the blitz on third down. Gabe Urban was excellent at doing that, even as a true freshman. I have, you know, a couple of film clips saved on my computer that I just watch from time to time because it's so beautiful how Gabe Urban, you know, picks up, uh, picked up the blitz um, when he was out there at during his uh, true freshman year. And I'm also just like, you know... P- Catching passes out of the backfield—that's um, that's one reason why Ramir Johnson was out there because he, he provided that threat in the backfield of, of just being a pass catcher. I think Ramir catches the ball out of all those out of all those running back options that Nebraska has right now. Ramir's the best pass catcher out of all of them, you know. And he showed that against uh, I believe it, it was um, Michigan with mm-hmm. the long touchdown pass. Um, so yeah, you, you're you're definitely right, you know, with with the Applewhite Applewhite coming in here and. And kind of looking at what he has, or you know, he's going to put his own stamp on it, and he's going to you know develop them his own way. And you know, I trust that. I trust that. You know, going back to um, with, at, during this time with TCU, if if he's if he was good for um, Patterson, Gary Patterson, he's definitely good for good good for me here.
3: Steve, when should Brian Applewhite know his guy in the rotation? Whether that's throughout the off season, in the winter camps, in summer camp, or in fall camp when should Applewhite have his guy in the rotation?
4: Well, man, I think that he would probably want to go through the spring practice and just get a good vibe for, for all the guys in there. And, you know, once fall camp starts, you know, kind of make a decision almost as soon as he possibly can in fall camp. But I think I would give him some leeway and just, like, uh, let, let, them, let them go through it and, and battle it out in the spring and then just have your pecking order ready um, once, once fall camp starts and just kind of, you know, once, once that, once, once that gets solidified, you know, you you, you have a better idea of how the offense can operate and, you know, it's just going to be an interesting year on offense with so, so many new pieces um, going on right now. I'm sure, you know, a quarterback like Casey Thompson would want to know who's he, who he's going to be lining up um, next to the entire time. So uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, right away, right away in fall camp, you know, uh, get a get a rotation down and and, you know, tell tell the running backs, you know, who where they stand and, and maybe it'll play out differently in fall camp. But yeah, right when fall camp starts is when I think you should have things, you know, set set and, and, and ready to go.
0: Steve Marek with us from Hailvarcity dot com and magazine. We'll have a few more minutes on the other side. Get Steve's take on Trev Albert's task here, and good for Trev asking the, the fan base what they think about uh, the game experience, and uh, we'll get Steve's thoughts uh, on that uh, survey that's looming to make it a better experience on football Saturdays. Also, uh, the Husker women tip off in about 20 minutes or so, and uh, they're, they're tasked to go take down Indiana, see how uh, Coach Williams and women uh, respond a reminder about buckling up game preparation and repetition predict success and winning drivers and vehicle passengers who always use their seat belts will increase their survival chances if a crash should happen remember to always buckle up a message from the nebraska department of highway safety office some thoughts on bill bush his first interview nfl playoff weekend looks incredible Danny Burke on the way. Gary Barnett, 25 minutes from now. And Brandon Vogel also checks in. It's Hail Varsity a Thursday. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
2: And now. And now,
0: back to Hail Varsity Radio. Steve Morrick's with us a couple more minutes. Hail Varsity Radio at Steve underscore Mark on Twitter, is where you follow him. So, uh, Trev Alberts on our mind. Uh, With his survey, his email, Nebraska fans are uh, getting a chance to weigh in what they love, what they would fix, what they would change with uh, their football experience. And uh, let's say you get an email from Trev and he says, Steve, what, uh, what would you like to see now? I don't know if you're a, a you know a, a, a crown swim up bar type guy or you're a hot tub south end zone type dude. I'm I'm kind of kidding, <laughs> kind of. But uh, overall, what what say you? Uh, as, as, put your football fan hat on, take your media hat off. When you yeah. go to games, what what kind of makes it click for you?
4: I personally would be a fan of padded seats. Um, a little bit more space for the elbows you know what i mean uh just you know anything that'll um i think those two things just padded seats um more space um that'll kind of take away from the um <clears throat> the crowd size i guess but i don't think that'd be um too too big of a deal it's still going to be loud in that place um when it when it um, um but uh, yeah I, I think padded seats more space the hot tub idea i think it's cool but like <laughs> Maybe, maybe not in Nebraska I just don't know if the hot tub is a Nebraska vibe you know what I mean maybe maybe like keep those things for for the South and Florida and and maybe California or, and Arizona something like that
0: it's too foo-foo you can just call it like you see it that's fine <laughs> uh, but hey uh, why not get a beach ball going it'd be all right no I think I think you're right and I think 90,000 sweet but you can shrink that a bit spread it out a touch you've got sweets already all around yeah. that place, uh, you're gonna. I think Trev's gonna get a slew of email saying, "I'll go," but what's gonna keep me coming back is is wins. Uh, put yeah. together a good product, and it doesn't have to be the Taj Mahal. Uh, they're working on that with this staff and the recruiting efforts in the portal, of course. Uh, Steve Marick with us. Steve, we'll wrap up here. Big game for Nebraska basketball. They took down. Top 10 Michigan last week, uh, back and forth against Iowa. Iowa looms here this weekend on Sunday in Iowa City. Now Nebraska heads to Indiana tonight, uh, tip-off here in a little while. You do a great job covering the Husker women. Uh, Listen, matchup-wise, is this a better matchup despite Indiana's ranking when we look at the the personnel Nebraska has versus IU?
4: Yeah, it'll be kind of an interesting uh, contrast, I think. I think, uh, like, Indiana, they do not. I noticed that they do not shoot a ton of threes. They're uh, way down in the big Big Ten cellar in average threes made per game. So they, but they, um, you know, they have some size and they and they like to go at the bucket. So I think Nebraska's gonna have to put their hard hats on here and, and, and toughen up against a really 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 good Indiana team who has, you know, beaten some really good teams already. Um, and they had a, a really good um, kind of off season off, off uh, non conference schedule as well. A lot tougher than what the Huskers had um but yeah it's it's going to be really a contrasting style I think but we'll, we'll see if you know if, they, if the shots go down early you know the way Nebraska can run and use their use their speed and, and their shot making behind the arc I think that I think that could uh, be something that really uh, keeps them in this game and if they could get out of there with Indiana boy you got that match that rematch with the Hawkeyes coming right up uh, on Sunday Sunday <laughs> afternoon so it's it's going to be a really interesting game and, and one that I think that, you know, if the shots fall early, uh, Nebraska can use their, their kind of smallest guards to just, you know, get that, turn that thing into a track meet and see if Indiana can keep up.
0: Last thought here, Steve Marrick with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine, at Steve underscore Marek on Twitter is where you follow him. If you were to give me a power ranking right now, where do you slot the Husker women in the Big Ten?
4: Oh, man. Um, let's I think that they're kind of uh, in the middle of the pack right now, honestly. Um, They like that Michigan state, that Michigan state game uh, really hurt them. And you could tell uh, listening to Amy Williams after the game that it really hurt her, that they got out rebounded and just basically um, just played their worst game of their um, entire season at Michigan state to start off the the big 10 slate um, with a loss. I know they had played uh, Minnesota and beat them earlier in the season, but uh, it was just a tough loss at Michigan state, but you know, then they come back and they and they just trounce by by 21 points. Michigan, uh, a top 10, number number eight rated Michigan team, and then they really hang and they they go back and forth and trade punches with a really good Iowa team too, with one of the best college basketball players in in America with uh, Caitlin Clark. So um, they they've showed that they can beat and hang with the top top tier teams, but they also showed that you know that. It, that Michigan State, I just keep going back to it. Um, that that was just a bad loss. And, uh, you know, it, it's a little early, I guess. Um, right now there's so much basketball left to be played, but I'd, I'd, I'd slot them around, you know, number three, number four, number five, something like that in Big Ten.
0: Good stuff. Steve Marek with us from Hale Varsity. Steve, have a good weekend. Appreciate your time.
4: Yeah, you too, Chris. Thank you for having me on.
0: Good to hear from Steve. Uh, Husker women about uh, 12 minutes away or so, so they'll uh, be in action. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark, Gary Barnett uh, on the way. NFL thoughts with Danny Burke from VEASAN Sports Network and Brandon Vogel. So, Connor, let's get into that uh, upgrades, updates with Memorial Stadium. Stadium's awesome. I mean, there's no place like it. been going there since I could walk, and uh, now getting to cover Nebraska is a ton of fun. You know, you're from out of state, but you uh, chose Nebraska. You uh, are a broadcasting major, so sports in your blood. And you've had family down to check out games. Tell me what you think here. As an outside dude, a guy that's from Chicago, and you're you're hunkering down and you're either braving the cold or dealing with the heat, how's the, uh, the viewing experience been? Taking the result of the game out of the equation just from a comfort level, let's say you, out of state?
3: Well, I know Steve said that padded seating would be nice, but I'm in the student section when I go to games, so I'm standing the whole time. I'm on the middle benches. My feet are up there, so it doesn't really matter about how comfortable I am because it's probably going to be uncomfortable. I would say, and this might be an odd answer, but I think a better speaker system in the stadium is warranted because it's on the one side above the Jumbotron, and if you could get quality speakers around that place and you hear that bass for Sirius come in, And that place just starts buzzing like it already does. But I feel like that can make it even better. And then, like, when they play music on third downs Mm -hmm. and stuff, trying to get the people into it, Thunderstruck, for example, Mm -hmm. in between the quarters, I think that could just bring a whole other element and a whole other addition of electricity to the stadium. But as you said, I mean, Memorial Stadium is a cathedral of college football, so there's not much to change there.
0: Just better results on Saturdays can kind of make your own uh, entertainment. What about the student section in general? Now, when I was a student, we were on the east side, and we would kind of do the lottery, and we had uh, uh, Rhino, uh, affectionately known as Rhino. His job was to, to make sure the crown got in and pick us a good spot. So we were all on a block together. I know it's a little different now, but you guys are, I don't want to say exiled, but you're in that little sliver of, is it the southeast corner?
3: Yeah, it's east and south, so you can right. pick. Right,
0: so that that's where you're at. Should you guys be a little bit closer?
3: I mean, from to my, the action, and
0: I know uh, donors of substance pay for for the seats. Right, but you guys could be more of a twelfth man.
3: No, I I think where we are is, is a pretty good spot. I mean, I have no complaints. We're probably halfway up the student section, so we're never under the balcony. We get there early enough, but mm-hmm. not like crazy early, but. I mean, every time I've gone to a game, I've had a, a good spot and a good line of sight for the game. So, really no complaints with the student section there.
0: We'll uh, wind out. Hour one can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Uh, last segment, open phones to 466-377-6800-825-5865. And now. and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Bill Bush on the radio, taking over a unit 129 out of 130. And uh, the to-do list, uh, Bill Bush said all the right things, but he's shown the ability to make sure what's said is done. And uh, that's details, that's high effort, and uh, that is the margin for error and reality of the importance of special teams. And when you see teams and quoting him here that are sloppy, you don't try and block field goals or take one step and jog off the field or the kickoff team. They don't buzz all the way to the end zone. It's a perception thing. You know, as an opponent, you have an advantage. So Bush known as a recruiter, a really good developer. He's, been on different parts of the defensive side of the ball. And he has been phenomenal uh, in the living rooms. And he's tireless with it. But he is going to be able to, to kind of flip that mentality. And uh, with him, not just as an analyst, but now hands-on, he'll be, uh, he'll be pretty big time with the right personnel in place, and he'll uh, he'll mandate. Tough word this week. He'll mandate the right people on the field, and it's going to be a sign. And Coach Kaczynski was talking about it yesterday, where the priority uh, will be proven with starters on the field, not recruited or talked into. But guys will want to if this thing grow you know grows up and gets better. Guys will be fighting for that spot. Look at in case in point, look at that's Stanley Morgan, man. Stanley's really talented, really good Sunday Stan for a reason, right? His nickname. Stan's good enough to to be in the NFL. Stan's surviving in the NFL because of his competitiveness and and what he's willing to do to stay on a, on a roster via special teams. You see that that line in the sand that exists in Alabama where Devontae Smith's your Heisman winner and he's your gunner where you stud wideouts for Bama, they're gunners. It's a badge of honor. It's a pride thing. So that's, that's the mentality that, that Bill Bush will flip around and it is vital to have a running game and special teams in the big 10. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll talk with Gary Barnett, get his take on scheduling. Uh, that came out yesterday, but just does the Big Ten do itself any favors? I know they've had teams consecutively make the college football playoff. I know that happens, and I know you got to take care of the folks that pay you to be on TV, but does the Big Ten do it the right way uh, with how they schedule? Now, there's no easy, easy week. But the Big Ten's notorious about stacking some some pretty monstrous games one on top of another, and the Big Ten likes to eat one another. So get his thoughts on that, how you get production out of the running back room. You have that change. You have Applewhite now in the running back room leading that group. How does it translate to success uh, in cohesion with the offensive line? So, Coach Barnett, some thoughts on Nebraska's staff. Next hour, Brandon Vogel coming up. It's Hale Bar City presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Back with you, Tower 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We welcome in the Hall of Fame coach from Colorado and Northwestern, Gary Barnett with us. Coach, it's 55. I'm betting some money. Some friends are out golfing right now. Did you get around in?
5: I did, Chris. It's 73 here, so you can't pass that up.
0: No, you've got us by about 15 degrees or, or so. Now, the issue is the winter weather warning that is knocking on our door <laughs> that will be here tomorrow morning. Can you send some? We do th- have one of those. No, I know you don't. I did get, I did get the weather update that says uh, you've had a little bit of wind here the last couple of days. So I'm sorry about that.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Thanks.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, man. Well, good for you getting around in. Coach, a lot going on here. Coach Scott Frost rounding out his coaching staff. And I think we talked last week, I mentioned Brian Applewhite from TCU as a name to watch. And Applewhite uh, announced a little bit earlier today that uh, he's accepted the position to be Nebraska's running backs coach. And I want to get your thoughts on on what it – when you're hiring a guy and you're looking at his his resume – how did you go about when you needed to fill a position? That evaluation, obviously, there's input from from uh, from guys on your staff. There's input from coaches, you know. But when it came down to and drilling down to to making that hire, how'd you go about it?
5: Well, it pretty much number one was input from uh, coaches on our staff. That was first because it's got to be a good fit for your staff as well as a good fit for your team. Uh, and then I always liked the opinion of a coach that he'd worked for. Okay. Uh, and I wanted to know what kind of teacher that person has been. And then, like I, I think we mentioned this, when he would come in for an interview, I'd put him in with the offensive coaches, and I wouldn't be in there mm-hmm. if it's an offensive Coach, obviously, Uh, I wouldn't be in there. I'd just let them talk to him, and then I'd get their feel from him, and then I would usually also put him with a couple of players, and because it's all about fit uh, at that, uh, you know, and and he's got to be a reputable. I mean, he's got to have done good things, Uh, unless it's somebody like Darren Hagan. I took a chance on Hagan because I knew him, and um, so I didn't have to go to anybody else, and he hadn't worked for anybody else, so it couldn't happen that way. So. You know, I, uh, you vet them just as much as you can, as much as you do a player. And because, uh, like I said, the fit, the, the, the wife, how she fits in, you know, whether Lincoln's going to be a good place for her, uh, all that's got to play a role in it for me. Now, that's not so with everybody, I don't think, but that's how it was for me. Mm-hmm.
0: Gary Barnett's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, when it comes to the running back room, as you've seen Nebraska, and I know you, you focus on the Buffs and you see a lot of college football, but you know what's going on in the Big Ten and, and you know what's happening in Lincoln. You know, what do you chalk up Nebraska's underperformance at running back, too? You can look at the, the recruiting rankings, okay, and you can look at the attrition as well, uh, and I know things all started up front as well with the offensive line, that said, Nebraska's running back room hasn't been like Nebraska's running back room used to be when you played against Nebraska. Why? Why has it been off? In, in your opinion?
5: Well, I'm not sure because I'm not in there, Chris. There hasn't been a, a difference maker at that position. Uh, but your your initial question is what do you do when you first go in, and first thing you do is you say these are our, this is our responsibility. It's in the offensive line's responsibility. No, it's not play calling. It's our responsibility to take care of the details, learn the details, and then hold each other and ourselves responsible for knowing those details and accomplishing those details in practice. So you don't put on anybody but you. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then you go about finding out who is the most detailed and who is the closest being a difference maker that you have on your, on your team.
0: Coach with, uh... Applewhite's resume, uh, he's been at a few different spots. TCU, before their staff was was let go. Colorado State, up the road from you for five years. Uh, uh, Louisiana Monroe for five years. Uh, Montana State, and then, of course, Wyoming under Joe Glenn for six years. He's been at, at a lot of different spots and a lot of different levels, but he's not been to and through right he stayed at one spot for for quite a while is is he a guy that when you're looking to hire a guy you go okay he's he stayed in one spot and he's probably been hired away to uh to a higher level does that impress you does does it does his resume and ability to kind of climb the ladder impress you
5: you know it does and i think that plays a part in 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 your hiring um uh, at this point in time, Scott Frost is trying to get his next contract, mm-hmm. and so he's going to have to hire the very best guy he can find that can hopefully uh, help him get that contract. So, it's um, I think it's a good sign. He's I like the fact that he's worked at all those places. I mean, with Joe Glenn's a tremendous coach, you know, and um, he's been at he's been at some tough places. He's been in some. Some places that aren't so tough. He had a great running back at TCU there, who just transferred. I just saw to Ole Miss. Um, so you know he he's got a really good resume, and I think now it just comes down to the fit with with the staff and
3: players. Gary Burnett is with us on Hale Varsity Radio, and Gary, we were talking earlier about how Apple White's kind of working his way up the totem pole as we've talked about a lot on this show today but he's been able to kind of earn his stuff in the coaching realm of college football and we also talked about how Ramir Johnson really excelled when Ryan Held challenged him in that running back room last year so my my thought is for you is how can Applewhite's ability to work through harder times and get to where he wants to be how can that rub off on Ramir Johnson
5: well, you, you bring all your experiences into that room. And, you know, you've got to, uh, as a coach, you've got to go earn their respect. Uh, you, you know, you're going to get a certain degree of it just because you're the coach and that's the way it's supposed to be. But you have to earn their respect to get them to totally buy into the way you're going to coach them. And, um, you know, that, that's just got to be his personality and the way he does that. He understands that. He's been in, he's, he's been in the fray enough to know that that's what he's going to have to do. He knows he's going to challenge these guys, but they're only going to accept the challenge if they really respect where you're coming from. And I, and I think building that respect is, is key right now for him.
0: A few minutes here, Gary Barnett with us, Hail City Radio. Coach, how did you go about it uh, when you were a position coach? Because you spent time with fullbacks and quarterbacks – and you had some some ball players and some guys you, you recruited really well, and you you got that buy in. How uh, how did you approach it from your your early part of your career to um, to to eventually being the head coach? You you, you laid out how you get the the, the buy in and the fact that you want the respect. But what was your method?
5: Well, my method was details. Was you know you're not going to play till you have got the details down, and then uh, once you got the details down. You know, we have to be able to count on you to block. We have to be able to count on you to, to uh, get in the right protection. You know, that's you're a, you have to be a total player. Uh, you've got to know where to be in pass protection. You've got to know how to pass block. You've got to be, uh, you know, you're gonna you're gonna play against over uh, much bigger guys than you on certain blitzes. Uh, you know, to be detailed, you're gonna have to know technique and you're gonna have to be able to stick your nose in there. So, to me, it was all about knowing your assignments first, and, uh, and then using your ability. you, gotta, you Trust they all wouldn't be there if they didn't have some ability. But uh, they're going to make use of that ability if they know the details of their position. And you've got, you've got to show everybody in that room and you got to show everybody in that offense that you know what you're doing so that the coach is going to play you. And that's the way I would go about it. I had fullbacks and, and quarterbacks. Uh, you know, nine, eight years, almost nine years. So, um, you know, I, I had all the running backs my first year, then I had fullbacks and quarterbacks my second year. So I had a back all the time. And, uh, you know, there's a certain degree of toughness, but the most important thing is, is the details of it. Are you going to be where we need you to be when the plays called the way it's called?
0: Is it tougher now with the ability to, to transfer uh, the portal option for kids? If And I think, I mean, we've seen a lot of Nebraska backs move on, okay, in the last few years. And I, I don't know why that is, other than there's always a lot of running backs in the room and there's only one football. And you're going to need a rotation. I mean, Coach, you you had Autry uh, at Northwestern and you had some really good backs at Colorado. But, you were able to to kind of divvy it up, and and have some depth and not much drop off. Guys got to get that, and some maybe understand it sooner than others. So my thought is is this: is it just a, with this being a different world, is it a harder ask in football for coaches just because of the kids' ability to leave whenever the heck they want?
5: Well, I I don't think the ask becomes any different because of the portal. I think the portal has made it all. Difficult. If we had the portal, when I was at Northwestern, Darnell Otter would never have—he would never have seen a sophomore year of college football at Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Um, Colorado today just lost the offensive player of the year two years ago in the Pac-12. Uh, he just transferred as a running back. So yeah, is it hard? Yeah, it's hard. And, uh, you know, but coaching the position doesn't change. <laughs> you know, if they're going to leave, they're going to leave. But your, your job is to get the best player on the field that knows his assignments and hopefully is a difference maker.
0: Coach, I want to talk Big Ten here. And I uh, thought with the, the schedule came out, and does the Big Ten – do itself any favors with with how they stack the schedule? This isn't a Nebraska question. This is time in and time out, and in the Big Ten, it doesn't feel like there's an off week anyway because someone can come up and bite you, whether they have three wins or five wins. Uh, but it seems like the way a lot of the Big Ten teams close, that's Iowa, that's Nebraska, that's Wisconsin, that's uh, Michigan, it uh, can be Northwestern. It seems like there's always about four games stacked and there's a slew of three or four ranked teams consecutively. Uh, should the Big Ten, if possible, space out how they schedule? Or do you like how it is with really having to close? Case in point, if you're, if you're uh, Wisconsin, you're going you're gonna to close with Iowa, Nebraska, and Minnesota, really, to, to determine the West, and it's, it's a round robin. So it's fun for fans. It's great TV. But man, oh, man. Uh, you better have uh, a whole lot of football players ready from a depth standpoint.
5: At, you know what? Every conference is feels the same thing, same way. The, the guys that do sports in at Clemson are saying the same thing. The guy, guys that do sports <laughs> at the Oklahoma State are saying the same thing. Yeah. The guy, same thing. The Pac-12. And, and you never know from one year to the next who's going to be good. For the most part, so. Now you know, you can't worry about that. It, you, if you're worrying about that, there's something that you're not getting done in your, in your office and in your locker room. So, uh, you, you know, leave that up to the athletic directors. They're as much, you, you know, they're in your, they're supposed to be in the trench with you, and so let them make those decisions. You just coach your team and, and win the games you're supposed to win and, you know, try to win a few more than that.
0: Who's going to rise and who's going to fall? What, give me a way too early 2022 in the Big Ten. Who rises up? Who takes a well, step I'll back? Well, i
5: example. Let, let, let me, I don't know about the Big Ten. Let me, I have to think about that because you caught me off guard. But let's, let's say last year with North Carolina. You know, everybody picked North Carolina to win it. And so when they're on your schedule and you're playing North Carolina, Clemson, and Pittsburgh back-to-back, who would have mm-hmm. thought Pittsburgh would have been where they were? And all of a sudden that becomes tough. And guess what? North Carolina is not tough. So you don't know. You know, looking at looking at the Big Ten, I, I'd have to think. First of all, I'd, I'd say Minnesota is a team that probably can't uh, live like it did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, um, let's see. Uh, you know, it's. I think Michigan State's got to prove itself again. Um, you know, it, how about Indiana two years ago? Where'd they yeah. come from? Yeah. All of a sudden, that became the toughest out on the block, so I don't know that you can tell you're in and you're out with them anymore.
0: Coach, about a minute here and we'll let you be. Thanks for the time. Georgia, Bama, smash mouth, big bodies, physical. It was a fun ball game. Asking, how long did Georgia take to build up to this? I mean, was it from day one with Kirby, or did they really kind of hit their stride? And now they played for a title in 18, but Tell me about this process to win it for Georgia, uh, the timeline.
5: Well, first of all, Georgia's one of those programs that's always going to be blessed with players and access to players because of where they are.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: And so this isn't as tough a build as, as it is other places. So, I mean, I, I don't uh, – I, I, they've had players. They just needed the right combination of players and coaches. I mean, you wouldn't have said Stetson Bennett was one of those players that should be there. But he was. It, it always, it's always the right mix and the right combination of everything. It's not just one thing, but coaches, players, the, the right people up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, a quarterback doesn't make mistakes, although he made his share this year. But, you know, it's um, – uh, and they didn't have a running back that was an All-American, but they had two guys that played really well. So I, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things where they just got it all together. And they should be. They could get it all together almost every year because they have access to best players, mm. and they have for years and years and years. I almost took the Georgia job uh, in nineteen ninety six. Oh wow! And trust me, they had a bunch of players then, and uh, it's you know it's they're just one of those fortunate places.
0: Coach, have a great weekend. Hit them far and straight. Thanks for the time today.
5: Bye, right, bud. Good being with you. And we're back. fellas. So, we could listen to the radio?
2: On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
0: Yes! That's awesome! Big thanks to Gary Barnett. Good to get caught up with him on coaches that climb up the ladder. Nice work by Nebraska to get Applewhite in that running back room. We welcome in managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and magazine, Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. It's where you follow Brandon Get his book, Dream Like a Champion, uh, with him and John Cook. Vogue's a a pretty eventful news week with Bill Bush officially uh, becoming the special teams coordinator and, of course, Brian Applewhite right now. And uh, I want to gauge your take here on Applewhite and what sticks out to you about his addition. There's names we've heard, but this is who's Coach Frost pulled the trigger on
6: yeah I think um, the TCU run game kind of under his his direct watch over the past two seasons stands out. They were pretty good both years um, and and this year didn't quite go the way that I think TCU fans would have hoped it would but it wasn't the result of the the running game so that's pretty good anytime you can get a coach who's kind of lived in that Texas ecosystem and had to to recruit in that I think is a bonus so all things considered uh, you've got kind of an up-and-comer coach I think for for Nebraska that that makes a lot of sense and you add some newness to the staff which you know that's, that's never a guarantee. It's, it's never a guarantee that kind of going with the, 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 new, the new ideas is, is going to work. But at this point, I think that's, that's kind of what Nebraska needs.
0: Well, you've got different voices. I mean, for the first time in a long time, you made changes. And uh, you've got a pretty diverse staff of guys from different spots. You have Big 12 in, in the form of Apple White. And he climbed his way up from from some some lower level, you know, Division two, II, Division three, Wyoming, and of course um, his time uh, at Colorado State, and and then you look at uh, Donovan uh, from Notre Dame, a GA, and then you're taken from the NFL there, uh, Mickey from uh, LSU, of course, and also Bill Bush from the SEC. It's it, it's impressive. Now, Nebraska's running backs have to be a difference maker. You're going to have a quarterback, presumably, that's not uh, not incapable of making plays with his legs, but he isn't built like Adrian, so the run game will need to be a reality. And why do you think the running back room's underperformed the last few years, let's say post-Ozigbo?
6: Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good question because so much of the, the running game's success is, is tied to the offensive line um, and, and kind of vice versa. So, like, I've, I've liked the talent that Nebraska has brought in to the running room, uh, the running back's room, over, you know, the last two, three recruiting cycles. Like, all of those guys, you could kind of separate them out and say, okay, here's what they're rated but actually look at the film and say, okay, I, I, I see that. And, and for whatever reason, it just hasn't quite clicked. So, so kind of the marriage between Applewhite and Rayola, the you know, two guys that, that, that really didn't have much of a connection to, to Nebraska football prior to this point, is, is kind of the key to the whole 2022 season for me. Like they have to be able to hand the ball off and run the football that way because Adrian Martinez is great. He, he kind of presented a theoretical problem in my mind. And I don't mean that as any slight to him as in like, he was so good running the football that you almost had to use it. And now you've got a guy who, you know, we'll see how this, this quarterback competition shakes out. We'll see if Nebraska adds somebody else through the transfer portal. But if Charles Thompson, the, the most experienced, um, or excuse me, Casey Thompson, the, okay. the most experienced, <laughs> <laughs> Charles Thompson, I don't know, he's, he's still faster than me. So, so maybe you take that. Um, but <laughs> Casey Thompson, um, you know, he's a guy who you have kind of a, a different skill set there. And somebody who, if you have a really good run game, makes me feel, and, and I feel good about that addition, but makes me feel a lot better about it. Because if you can complement that with him, which is what he had at Texas, with John Robinson, um, all of a sudden you, you can do some, some really big things, I think. So that's that's kind of the key question. and I think it's been the key question for Nebraska for a couple of years now. Can you get that handoff run game going because if you can, then a lot of these other pieces fall into place.
0: Do you think it's been a lack of faith slash trust in the the, the running back that's taken the carry, or has it been a little bit of lack of faith and trust in the O-line being able to to open a hole on third and two?
6: Maybe the latter. I mean – it's, it, it, it's tough to say because with, with these sort of, you know, questions with that, like I kind of defer to the guys who, who see them every day mm-hmm. versus me who sees them on Saturdays. So, like I said, I've, I've liked the talent in the running back room, it's, it's, which makes it even harder to kind of put together, well, well, why can't Nebraska in those games where it clearly kind of has things going, even in those, it hasn't, you know, just said, well, we're just going to hand it off 35 times. I mean, I was looking at the, I think it was the 2014 Nebraska Miami game, the, the one in Lincoln, that's kind of a a classic and Amir Abdullah had 35 carries in that game. Like that had, doesn't happen. Anymore.
0: He had 200 yards so, too.
6: <laughs> right. Right. So, so why? And, and, and it wasn't a matter of, like, all of those carries of, like, oh, clearly Amir Abdullah is the, the best player on the field, though he probably was, and we just, we just give it to him. It was like, no, like, this is a concerted effort to, he's having success, they may be three four-yard gains, and we're just going to go to that until Miami gives us a reason not to. And we haven't seen that at Nebraska in a while. And it's it, it's, it's a kind of a tough problem to solve of why hasn't that been the case. And I think some of that is, well, you, you don't have an Amir Abdullah at the moment, though. Some of it also comes back to how much opportunity have you given guys to prove that they they could be that type of
0: we just don't know. I mean, we've seen flashes. You have Ramir Johnson that uh, kind of took the lead. Nebraska's had somebody emerge, but it's taken them a while. They've never st- they've not started the year in the Frost era with the running back they end the season with. It's always some sort of game three, game four. All right, somebody else emerges or somebody gets hurt, whatever the case. But it seems like there was always – I don't say the wrong pick, but they someone else did better in fall camp to get the start to start the year. Well, uh, by, by week three or week six, Nebraska's going a different direction at running back.
6: I, I think that's, a, that's an excellent point because even in 2018, the one year where we can kind of hold up and say, well, here's by the end of the year what it's supposed to look like, Devine Zigbo wasn't that guy. Early on. So, you know, I think some of that comes down to kind of, I mean, that was a guy that they inherited um, to kind of identifying exactly what you need um, and identifying kind of the guy who's, you know, may not, you may not look at him in practice or on film and say, oh, this is the guy that does, that allows us to do everything we want to do, but the guy who shows up on Saturday. Because, I mean, you, you sort of had that this year, um, you know, without any additional information in, in Ramir Johnson. You know, we, we heard reports from, from fall camp that, you know, he was way down the depth chart. You go to Oklahoma, and you're kind of out of options. You're dealing with some injuries, and you've got a guy that all of a sudden is like, well, this is, this is the healthiest guy, so he becomes our top option. And he kind of remains that top option throughout. So yeah, I think there's there's kind of a question to be answered there about just identifying exactly the guy that that gives you the best chance to win and allows you to do what you need to do from the running back position specifically.
0: Brandon Vogels with us, Voges. How do you feel about the Bill Bush promotion?
6: Yeah feel pretty good about it. I mean, he, he, he spoke on uh, kind of uh, the Husker, Husker Huskers.com network mm-hmm. this week, which was the first chance any of us really had had an opportunity to hear from him and really liked it. Like, it, it kind of made you, or at least it made me realize why those players who are going to play special teams might respond to that. You know, him talking about how when you're on special teams every down is fourth down, Kind of like, yeah, that's it. That that really is, and you know, it it may not be exactly the case all the time, but it's it's a it's a group of specialists, and and we can think about that in terms of the punter and the kicker and all of that stuff. But but really, it's everybody because you talk about punt coverage or kick block, and, and in a lot of cases, you're putting young players. That's their first chance to see the field, and and kind of. Setting the stakes for them, I think, is is one of the key key pieces, and saying like, "Hey, man, you're only out here on fourth downs, effectively, metaphorically," um, kind of sets the stage. And he him talking about how when he goes to scout a team, the first first two units he looks at are kickoff and basically kick block because you can assess effort that way gave me a little bit of additional confidence. And in addition to his long history as a coach and also his, you know, proven track record as a recruiter of like, oh yeah, this is, this is what it's supposed to be about. Because if you're looking at kick block, which are basically non-plays for the average fan at home, uh, told me quite a bit about what he's going to be about.
0: Vogues, I have 10 seconds. We'll get more into it Saturday what do you think of Nebraska's flip-flop schedule-wise, yay or nay?
6: Uh, yay. It's, it's always better to get Wisconsin at home and and Purdue on the road. So West Lafayette has been no uh, kind of picnic for for Nebraska, but I think I think the Big Ten did a, did a good job of basically kind of making this right.
0: Folks, we'll talk Saturday. But thanks for the time.
3: Yep, sounds good. Thank you. All right, you guys are rolling.
0: Back in Burke's Best Bets time with Hale City, Veasan Sports Network, Danny Burke at Danny Burke Five on Twitter, Rush Hour, his show uh, all over the country, and of course on iHeart. Danny, it's playoff football, man. You got your snowshoes packed for uh, for Buffalo?
1: <laughs> you know what? I, I got them ready, and they're already in the car because look here, we've been getting snow left and right. Well, not really snow; it snowed for a little bit. It's just still here because it's been freezing. In Chicago, it reminds me of when I first moved to Vegas, Smitty, having the snow boots ready to go. It's like I was the only person uh, to have a snow scraper, and inevitably I'm driving to the desert expecting warm weather during this uh, polar board And it snows, and I'm the only guy in the neighborhood, of course, with one because it's Vegas and no one else has one. And it's like the worst blizzard in 30 years, and I'm the only one scraping everyone else taking pictures, seeing what a miracle this is. So uh, kind of reminiscent of that, but yeah, I'm ready to go, my friend.
0: Yeah, right. Snow's overrated. Uh, Talk to me about quarterbacks here. I love what Zach Taylor's done, friend of the show, Uh, name-dropping. Yes, I'm a scumbag but uh, Joe Burrow man he's really emerged he's cut his interceptions down since he's hot and and they really got some some momentum beating Kansas City uh, Oakland come check that Vegas comes in and uh, is is playoff ready they they won a uh, you know an elimination game just last week in OT what quarterback do you trust the guy making his first playoff start or the guy that people have been expecting more of in uh, in the form of Carr with Vegas
1: Schmitty, we were we were having the same conversation almost last week talking about the Chargers and the Raiders, and I was saying, well, you know, I think it's time for Vegas' luck to run out, and we know how insane of a game that was. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of thinking this is actually the time where it comes to fruition. Now, we saw what happened when these two teams face each other earlier this season in Los Angeles, the Bengals stomp, and, uh, stomp it down. And, no, that doesn't necessarily mean the same thing's going to happen. I mean,
5: like,
1: believe that Cincy is the more talented team they have that momentum and and when you look at Vegas look Derek Carr can show glimpses of being solid but the defense is what concerns me a little bit more so with the Raiders they're coming off that emotional game I think the defense saw something like they were on the field for like 90 plus snaps or mm. something because of that insane run that Herbert and company had so, you know, the coaching situation. Zach Taylor, I think, is fine. What he's been able to do with the squad is impressive, no doubt. But I think a lot more of that has to do with the surprise of the defense and the talent they have offensively. So, uh, it, the spread is tough because everybody wants to hammer the Bengals. But I think your best route might be to tease the, the Cincinnati Bengals down because look, I, the Raiders can get a backdoor cover. Playoff games are wonky as is, so why not just tease them down to where you just need Cincy to win outright?
0: Sure. Tease it down. That minus five's an interesting number. Uh, game that brings me back to my childhood, the Battle of Aikman uh, going up against Steve Young. Uh, fast forward about three decades here. Cowboys hosting the Niners. Minus three. Another quarterback question. Jimmy G's been to a Super Bowl and Dak has put up great stats. Now, Dallas's defense has been incredible with getting the football here. Uh, you've uh, locked in on this game as one of your best bets. What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I'm thinking this is going to be a higher-scoring affair. I took this thing over 50. It's up to, like, 51 at a lot of shops at this place. And if you still want to get involved, I think 51 is probably the highest I would go. But San Francisco, believe it or not, has been one of the best teams offensively this whole season and as of late. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I know they're number one or right up there in terms of yards per play is San Francisco. And especially these last three games, they've been incredible. And oddly enough, the home and road splits, like they've been really solid offensively away from home, oddly enough. And Dallas, we know the offensive firepower they have. And when it comes down to Dallas, what they thrive in is their passing game. Yeah, I mean, you have Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard's been a pleasant surprise, but really in order for them to win, they got to throw the ball, and they have a great chance to do so against the San Francisco secondary. That is really their weakness. That's their Achilles' heel to this team. Everything else is pretty solid, but I feel like their secondary is what's going to hold them back, potentially. So I think there's going to be a lot of points from both sides. In terms of the spread, now that it's at 3.5, hard not to look towards San Francisco, it's the Cowboys get down early, that's when they're screwed. They've been terrible when they've been playing from behind this season, but if they get the early lead, then maybe wait for an in-game opportunity to bet them even more because once Dallas has that comfort, they just keep the foot on the pedal and they just absolutely dominate. You saw it against the Eagles. You've seen it in other games before, and if it happens against San Fran, it'd be hard to trust Jimmy G to come back.
0: Danny Burke with us. Burke's Best Bets, VEASAN Sports Network, at Danny Burke 5.0. Rubber match here for the Cards and the Rams at SoFi. Cards won uh, there earlier. They've righted the ship. A big win for them uh, in Dallas a couple weeks ago. Then they laid an egg at home against Seattle. Rams, meanwhile, uh, with Stafford is... I mean, he, he has got so many weapons, but He he can be a little bit uh, flaky as well. A lot of quarterback questions in the opening NFL weekend to playoff action here. Do you like the Rams at home Given for?
1: I don't, actually. I would gravitate toward Arizona. And I'm like low-key a fan of Kyler Murray in Arizona, so I always look to root for them. But from an objective standpoint – it's not that I that I think Arizona's going to win, per se, Schmitty, but I think because of what you mentioned with Stafford and his struggles that we have absolutely seen as of late and him not having it in the big game, how would you have the confidence to lay the points with them? And you've seen the market trend toward Arizona, this thing open like – five, five-and-a-half, and and now, like you said, it's down to four. And third time around, division rival, look, whoever wins, it's probably not going to be in impressive fashion. So I think you got to take the points with Arizona, or if you get a a four-and-a-half or if you do a a six-and-a-half-point teaser, tease up Arizona to over seven and over ten, and you get them plus ten-and-a-half, and you get that cushion, which I think this game probably comes down to a field goal realistically or Arizona wins. But if you want a little bit more security, maybe tease them up because I think Arizona still has enough firepower and a good enough defense to win this game. I mean, this was the top team in the league like three weeks ago, and then they lose to Detroit and do some other terrible stuff. But the playoffs are a different beast. I think Arizona has what it takes.
0: Danny, about 90 seconds, bud. A thought on Tampa as they host Philly. And then, of course, that's a huge number for the Chiefs against Big Ben, minus 12-and-a-half.
1: Yeah, when you're talking about that Tampa game, again, only thing I would do here is tease down the bucks from minus eight and a half to minus two and a half. Perfect teaser, long teaser, which means you're covering the seven and the three. You're going through it with a home favorite. I think that could be a viable option with Tampa Bay. And the total going under, you've already missed the boat on the best number. We'll see if it moves a little bit. But the weather conditions are gonna be awful. Rain, very windy, but Tampa Bay should be able to take care of business. As for the Chiefs and Steelers, this is probably the game I want the least amount of action in. (laughs) Look, this is probably going to be a player prop perspective. Go over pass attempts with Big Ben. He almost got over him in that game, uh, his last home game in the first half. He almost got over him. They're going to be trailing to Kansas City and needing to throw it. So uh, consider Big Ben over his pass attempts. Probably would play that up to like 37.
0: Danny Burke with us. Burke's best bets. VEASAN Sports Network Rush Hour. His show, also a daily podcast from Danny Burke. And Danny, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, folks can find your show.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And always tweeting it out at Danny Burke 5 like you said. So wherever you want to get a hold of that, I've got you covered on Twitter and then com.
0: Well, it's an awesome weekend, of playoffs and uh, some incredible matchups, some incredible, incredible uh, storylines with quarterbacks, uh, first starts, or guys that have been drafted high finally kind of hitting hitting home and, and making some headway in the postseason. And then uh, we'll see what type of run game Tampa can get generated as well at home in those windy conditions. Daddy, have a good rest of your weekend. Thanks for the time, man.
1: Appreciate it, guys. Enjoy the NFL wild card weekend at Cash and the Bet
2: miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you catch the podcast at hail the espn lincoln app or download them on itunes saddle up partner
0: back to hail varsity radio one final time and uh, we may have typical nebraska anger from mother nature Going from 55 and let's fire the grill up to uh, better cover the grill because it's snow and ice and ice and snow. You were supposed to rock Fremont on Saturday with Southwest girls and boys heading that way. That's been uh, flip-flopped a little bit. You did the game also uh, the other night, uh, Nebraska uh, and uh
3: Illinois, Illinois, duh, yes.
0: Nebraska and Illinois, you were back doing that on on uh, KRNU. and uh, they were there. And then the uh, the finish was the finish. Optimism level. I haven't seen a line yet for Nebraska-Purdue. We don't know if Trey's going to be back yet. I'm sure there'll be a a pitch count on Trey if he is ready to go. But man, he'll be uh, he'll be a big time difference maker, just in in effort and attitude, I think, with some of his mates. That being said, you know, if you're a Nebraska basketball fan, you hope they can find more of the Ohio State, Michigan State effort, and even Illinois effort versus the the Rutgers situation. This team's just tough to take right now Mm -hmm. because, A, you can't pinpoint any consistency. You don't know what they're going to get, but you may tune in (laughs) because it could be, horrible it could be okay for a while and then they'll trade spots and you had to go like all right you're you're, you tell me this you're doing the game you're anticipating you're were you just waiting for a collapse or did you think all right they might have it i thought illinois's close was great
3: i don't know if i was waiting for a collapse but it was amazing how that how quickly that game changed in the last four minutes like literally tie ball game you're going back and forth 16 out of the 20 minutes of that second half, and then all of a sudden Frazier makes a play. Mm. Then all of a sudden I believe Plummer hits a three that makes it a seven-point game, and that was the largest deficit up until they ended up pulling away Illinois, that is, of that second half up to that point. So it was really, and all credit to Illinois, I mean they're a really good team. I think they're one of the better teams in the Big Ten. I have them in my personal rankings at number two right now. But I thought Nebraska played – a good 36 minutes of basketball and then illinois again amazing how quickly that game changed and all credit to him and i'll give i'll give credit to fred hoiberg and his crew too they they played to win and mcgowan's had a good game verge had some bright spots Derek walker did a good job on kofi coburn he's doing a
0: one walker walker needs a medal of honor right (laughs) <laughs> because Seriously. he's doing what he's supposed to do, and that's bring it every game. Right. But he's about the only one that's been consistent. We'll see if it's a bloodbath tomorrow or it's one of those funky situations where Purdue's going, yeah, it's just Nebraska. And, and maybe they take him lightly. Purdue's a bunch of trained killers. And I mean that as a compliment, not in a Baylor basketball early 2000 sort of way. So, uh. We are out of time. Sorry if you're trying to call in and we did not get to you. God love you for listening for all two hours. Back at it again tomorrow at 4. We are working Joe Glenn tomorrow. We'll dive in with Bill Dolman on the program, Jacob Bedilla, and uh, Jeff Smith to preview some high school hoops action as well as some big red basketball. Talk to you at 4 tomorrow. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery.